let the man take a shit. Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? He's, he's probably just trying to get ready. Hey, this is Peter. I love voicemail. Leave him a voicemail. So please leave me one. <laughs> All right, thanks. Bye. From a week ago, Goose's second full-length album, Shenanigans Nightclub, is out, and I can assure you, there is nothing else I will be listening to until we get up to Swansea this Friday. At long last, Goose's sophomore full-length studio album has arrived. Shenanigans Nightclub, the new release from the Connecticut-based rock quintet, comes in the midst of yet another year of seemingly unstoppable upward trajectory for the gaggle. This nine-track collection of music written over the past decade presents musings on a journey through life and a quest for fulfillment, all while saluting the important figures along the way. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It's news to me. Um, (laughs) But to give you listeners a little more background, we were able to grab interviews with our favorite Frenchman, France Petit Rupin, which we learn means little wolf, appropriately, as well as the album's co-producer and engineer, Kenny Cash, who also produced Moon Cabin. So thank you to both of them for calling in. But first, let's check out what's going on in the news. Well, as we wait patiently, very patiently, for the rest of our vinyls. Tick tock, tick tock. Patience. Uh, we at least have a string of shows and a goose festival to look forward to. Remember when that was announced? Yeah, I think we had an episode coming out that day. Two for two, baby. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's right. Fred the Festival was announced last week, and we absolutely cannot wait. Included on the lineup, we have a whopping four sets of goose. Maybe an encore. Ooh. <laughs> if we have time. Uh, two sets of Dawes, including one as a tribute to Paranoid, which is going to be mm-hmm. sick. That would be very cool. Dr. Dog, which apparently is their final year touring as a band. And if you can't make it to Fred, uh, they're also performing Saturday with Goose at Sea Here Now, so check that out. Corey Wong, his Golden Messenger, two sets of Grateful Shred, an acoustic trio set, maybe mm. the act I'm most excited for, Vasudo featuring oh, yeah. Peter. That's going to be sick. Uh, Sammy Ray and the Friends, and then Elephant Proof doing a late night set. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on the lineup as a whole. But first, uh, you guys have been talking to me about Fasudo for, you know, since we started this podcast, how excited are you to see this band again? I mean, <laughs> I barely survived the last time they played. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when was that? Um, uh, I think it was like July 7th, 2013. 2013. It was the yeah. end of that. It was the end of that fish run where they, so the Bangor was July 3rd. And then fourth, they were off. And then fifth, sixth, seventh, they played in 2013 at Saratoga. And um, we had a house, we had a big house with a, Team Blas fam and uh, and and they played in the basement at night after the uh, fish show for, till till five thirty as the story goes. <laughs> one of our good friends, um, girlfriends, uh, Laura, at the time plugged in her phone. She decided she needed to charge it at five thirty in the morning, and promptly all the power shut down in the house. So that, that was pretty much the end of that show and the, and the last show they played. And 
um there was a lot that happened after that i'm not at liberty to say but yeah that was uh but it was a hell of a show i can tell you that what a way to go out an iphone 3 (laughs) 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 needless to say people didn't go to bed at 5 30 i think is what you're saying um maybe people couldn't go to bed at 5 30 (laughs) but you know you know how that goes (laughs) so it's a really diverse cast of names on this lineup that really don't pop up in the jam band scene as much are there any you guys are looking forward to in particular I saw Dr. Dog at uh, Brooklyn Steel a couple of years ago. It was oh. a, a really fun show, um, and so I, you know, assuming I can, assuming I can go to the festival. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a week before think my we wedding. We have to check with our manager. Yeah, <laughs> manager. Um, we may be tied up uh, around then, um, but I would recommend anyone going check out Dr. Dog, Corey Wong for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard good things about Corey Wong's solo. I have never seen Dr. Dog, and they've been around forever. They've been at festivals I've been at. So since this is going to be their last touring year, I definitely am excited to be able to go see them. And I've heard a lot of good things about Grateful Shred, who I have mm-hmm. not listened to. But, um, yeah, I'm excited all around. I mean, it's just going to be a lot of goose, too. Um, and I, so all their side projects and everything combined, it's going to be a lot of good music. I'd be remiss if I did not mention Elephant Proof. going to be right. some heat there and also some goose history. Um, so Elephant Proof is Ben Atkind. I don't know if anyone listening's heard of him. Um, <laughs> Chris Enright on keys, who's the original keyboard player in Goose. He played on Moon Cabin. Um, Sean Gordon on bass. Uh, any bassist whose last name is Gordon, you have to assume is good. And Sean <laughs> Cronin on guitar, who absolutely rips. Um, these guys met in Boston, uh, at Berkeley, and they're sitting on an album. New single, Hyphy, just came out. Um, but Elephant Proof is going to tear it up late night, so um, if you haven't heard of of Ben Ack and check him out. Yeah, I think he's the percussionist for the <laughs> band, right? <laughs> yeah, but something that really caught me was the fact that, like I said, like it's a lot of bands that really don't pop up in the jam scene as much, and I've really been deep in that rabbit hole lately, but recently a Relics article came out with Rick and Peter talking with Ezra from Vampire Weekend about the 2021 single, and they talked about not surrounding yourself with the same old cast of your genre. So I feel like we're getting a lot of influences of Goose and not really the bands around them. Like, you know, when I thought a Goose Festival was going to be possible, I expect like Neighbor, Aggie, like all these bands that have kind of been in the family for so long. So it's really cool to kind of hear like this indie side of Goose kind of being introduced. Yeah, I mean, it's always been apparent in their music, I feel like. And I just, you know, people want to hear a lot of different influences, but indie's always been a big one and it's a big vibe that Rick tries to do. And um, and Peter likes that genre of music as well. So those guys, it's it even says on the festival billing that it's a festival that was kind of curated by the band. And they were able to obviously have some influence over who came and played. So it's awesome that these are artists that they appreciate and respect and listen to, but also that these artists appreciate them enough to want to come out and play their festival. So, I mean, I think there's no doubt that we're going to see a lot of good music that weekend and, and the variation is going to be fresh. So it's going to be cool to see it, a, an environment like that that normally is hosting a lot of dead bands, a lot of, you know, more country music. And so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, that sound of ice cubes is <laughs> <It's> Bruce <laughs> Robinson's beverage. Espelon. <laughs> your best decision. Or your worst or your decision. Worst. Still looking for sponsors. Um, yeah, so I do think, you know, um, the kind of wide swath of musicians, it's going to be pretty cool. I think just it also speaks to the fact that there is so much going on in 
the jam world right now. You know, there's festivals everywhere every single weekend. And so I think it's it'll be just kind of a cool look to present something a little bit different um, and, and just some names that we don't necessarily always see on a bill with Goose. Yeah, great idea for them to organize this festival on a weekend when literally every other band in the country is playing. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Oh, my God, it's, I'll be there. Uh, yeah. Bold strategy. <laughs> yeah. I'll be here there with uh, 400 other people. No, I'm just kidding. There'll be 500. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, the farm will be packed. Uh, but speaking of the farm, the Lockin Farm, which is the first time I'm hearing it really officially called by that name, set up by Pete Shapiro. And it's really cool since, um, you know, the Rockefeller Center show of Goosemas that they connected with Pete Shapiro and they got to put this together along with J-Rad and Tedeschi Trucks are doing a festival too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, Greg, as their publicist, have you? do you have any insight as to the connection with Peter Shapiro? Or have they left you in the dark once again? As their publicist, I know absolutely nothing, which is why we always release these episodes the same day as they have announced. Um, You know, I think obviously there's kind of a mutual admiration there. Um, Pete was helpful in getting Goosemas to become what it was, and, you know, obviously partnering with with Twitch. Um, and, And, you know, there's been a relationship with Relics since 2018, um, but really it's just, you know, to, to know him, you have to have a good publicist, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Greg. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think, um, you know, kind of beyond beyond just the, the connection with Shapiro, it's like we have a band that is very interested in getting people involved with more than just watching them play music, as evidenced by Bingo Tour last year, so um, there's going to be a ton of different activities happening oh, yeah. at Fred the Fest as well. Um, so be sure to stretch yeah i don't know i'm excited about those activities for everyone who will be participating in them i my activity is going to be sleeping maybe trying to eat at some point and then watch music that's usually as far as i can get with festivals but yeah looking forward to the activities for everybody that wants to do them that's going to be great yeah i hope the lock and farm kind of turns into a little rec center uh, uh, vibe. A couple, sure. couple camp counselors out there watching over us. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and definitely, at least, you know, for Joey and I, the two of us aren't getting married the following week. So we'll be down there representing the podcast. Uh, maybe, Greg. <laughs> uh, but while we've brainstormed some fun ideas for the festival, uh, feel free to throw us your suggestions, what you'd like to see from us on socials. And as always, if you see us out there on the festival grounds, feel free to run over and say hi for a chance to be featured on this incredible, famous podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still working on our manager to get that time off, but I'll tell you where it will be. That's leg two of Summer Tour. We'll be up in Swansea, and we just got our outfits in for New Haven, so if you haven't heard... Get your best outfits ready for Saturday because we're going to have some special surprises in store for listeners on the lot. That's right. Dress your best. We can't wait to see you out there. But as promised, we traveled down the pathway with Franz and Kenny. So let's get to that. And please ignore the constant notifications coming (laughs) in on Greg's phone. He is the people's publicist after all. No days off, baby. Oh, yeah. First international call. We're paying for this moment by moment, so we do need some sponsors. Um, we have our French correspondent, Fran Petit Lupin. Oh, France. On the phone. Oh. Uh, live from France, the, probably the person who knows the most about Shenanigans Nightclub, as far as our correspondence goes. We have a few questions for him about this new album coming out on June 4th. 
So Franz. Bonjour. Oh, bonjour. bonjour. Oh, oui. bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll kick it off, Franz. So this album, the cool thing is about it is it features everything, right? We got a brand new song with The Labyrinth, old songs revisited, and jam sections to complement all of it. So out of this whole album, is there anything in particular that you are most proud of, whether it's a contribution of yours, a particular song, a segment you love? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot I'm very proud about with this album. Um, first of all, I, there, was, um, there was a time where the, I guess, track two, Satellite, guitar solo that I play was supposed to be John Schofield. So I'm very proud of the solo I laid down on that. And I hope Schofield can be proud of it, too. Um, you know, maybe I can get his vote of confidence. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was a thing at some point when I had met Rick. I think earlier in 2017 on a train to see like a Baker's dozen show, he showed me the track list for shenanigans and track two was like, it was like so ready part two featuring Schofield. And I was like, Oh, you guys are getting Schofield. Like that's uh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah it sure. just totally misled you, which for is sure. also yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 I mean, he really wanted to get Schofield on it and I don't know. I played it. So Perfect. I, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, that's and, cool. And uh, I'm also very proud of um, all the tracking we did at our house. Um, I think it sounds incredible for what we had and really proud of it. Just all the sounds, so the soundscape. Yeah. Just to follow up on that, Peter, because I actually had a, another question that, that this kind of leads into, but uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the studios you guys worked in, because it wasn't only that you guys recorded at Factory Underground, uh, which is a great, you know, classic place for Goose in uh, Norwalk, but you also yeah. recorded at your old house in Richfield. Um, so just, you know, a couple things like, what do you like most about recording at Factory Underground and then having to do it in two places? You know, what were some of the biggest challenges you guys faced? Yeah, so... I mean, the majority of it was recorded at um, Rick's mom's house and then our place in Richfield. And oh. we recorded two things at a factory, oh, okay. which were the Madhavan Jam and the Dark Horse Thunder Jam. Um, and that was just Rick and I. Um, because the way the album was recorded, we didn't really have like a studio space we could all track at the same time. So it was kind of done like part by part. Um, and a lot of credit to Rick for really having like a clear vision for, you know, how the jams were going to go. Like right. the jams were kind of composed in a lot of ways. Oh. Um, like the chord progressions and stuff that happened in the Madhavan jam was composed and it was like kind of, it was really well thought out and I love it. I think it's so great. And, uh, so Rick and I went in and played piano and guitar at factory, uh, together for those jam segments because, we just wanted them to have that live feel to them, you know? Yeah. That's something we had to go to a studio for. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Franz, we're yeah. going to talk to Kenny cash today a little bit to give, to get some more idea yeah. about uh, what he, he, he contributed to the record, but I want to, I want to hear a little bit more about the chemistry that you guys have with Kenny, with factory underground um, and how that's contributed to the development of your studio sound. I think it's huge. Um, Kenny's been an amazing collaborator with us uh, ever since Moon Cabin. He, you know, he went up to the tracking sessions from Moon Cabin to that spot in New Hampshire. I wasn't there, but he was critical in in the whole tracking of Moon Cabin. And um, 
you know, in shenanigans in a lot of ways. He came to some of our tracking sessions that we did at like Rick's mom's house um, oh, and my. in Richfield and basically just gave us pointers, helped us set up mics. I mean, it was like, it was very collaborative from, from the very beginning of tracking of the record. So um, definitely he has a huge influence. We've had so much fun going to factory. I mean, he mixed the whole thing, which was definitely quite an undertaking. Um, engineer yeah. out there, it's really hard to mix an album that is recorded in so many different places and at so many different times. And, you know, there was just, we were just laying down tracks at our, our house, like when we had free time. So like nothing was, there was a lot of like probably technical things that we were doing wrong, but he did a great job um, kind of wrangling it all together and kind of creating the album in that way. So much credit to Kenny on this one, big time. Yeah, definitely. And would you say there's any added difficulties to recording in separate places or, or possibly any benefits to recording in separate places? Because to me, I mean, it just sounds like an organizational nightmare potentially, but... Um, yeah. Would you say anything like great came out of recording that way? I think the cool thing about it was that we just got more experience recording and doing stuff ourselves, which is so fun. Um, especially for me, I love, I love recording myself. Like when I write songs, I record them at the same time. Usually, hmm. you know, that's usually a process I go into and create a demo and I just love recording. So um, we just got, you know, more knowledgeable and, and smarter about that in general. So that's, that was beneficial for us as individual, you know, musicians and, and, you know, producers of our of our own, you know? Yeah. Definitely. So Franz, yeah. So this was your yep. first time recording with the whole group, including Jeff. Uh, how did that creative process kind of go down and, and work for you all uh, as you were kind of piecing this thing together. And then what about working together with the band went really well. And, and in terms of that collaborative process, what do you think best benefited the album from that? Um, I mean, it, it was so great. Like we live with Jeff. So during COVID he kind of just popped on some recordings like as as we were going it was it was like you know rick would have like an idea for a percussion part and jeff was there and you know it was just like jeff can you play this on this on this track and that's just kind of how it happened organically um so i mean that process was incredible and um i think i think just the naturalness of how that all happened and us just living together and, and tracking at the house was really I don't know. It really like lives within the record. It's, you could really hear it. I think it's, I think it's just a very natural and free flowing record. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, again, that, that does complement your live sound as well. Um, so yeah. I've got one more really pressing question for Franz um, is that personally, I've always questioned this new fad of everyone wearing the tightest pants possible, uh, especially since it seemed to become more popular if I, after I gained a significant amount of weight. Um, so as a European, who we all know have been as a culture wearing tight clothes for many, many years, you know, what are your yeah. thoughts specifically about this trend? And you're a slim guy, Franz. Do you have any specific tightness you go for, or do you prefer comfort? You know, uh... <laughs> great question um, i'm known for great questions I, I, i've been I, <laughs> here at the great beyond I've been, uh, I've been going i've been going for like the slim slim pants for a while now and that's kind of my jam i'm not a i'm not a skinny skinny jean type guy 
Um, but they have been putting spandex in pretty much all modern day jeans and pants. So, you know, you do get a little bit more of that, uh, that stretch on mm. the thinner cuts. So my thought is that like, as long as you got that, you're, you're you know, you're, you can go as tight as you want, you know, and I, I uh, encourage you to do so, Bruce. I don't, <laughs> I don't, know I don't if, think you should shy away from that. I don't friend. know if there's enough spandex. Still. <laughs> I bought a Husky pair of khakis in, in 1996. <laughs> I've been getting tailored to my body ever since, but it's good to know that, uh, that, that the, the modern trends reflect my, uh, my new yeah. shape. It's all about, I mean, for me on stage, it's all about, movement you know i need to feel like i can move around easily enough and also not be like weighed down so i prefer like i don't have anything in my pockets when i play i always just like empty my pockets and like try and feel as light as possible so that's why you're not responding to all the texts (laughs) 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 very strategic move oh i see okay i'm not gonna take it personally (laughs) six texts in a row play factory fiction (laughs) yeah yeah please please yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i'm monitoring the stream chat (laughs) um well franz thank you for for hopping down the pathway with us we look forward to seeing what comes next i know there's so much more happening this year. Um, France Petit Lupin, if you could leave us with some knowledge. Uh, I tried to Google Translate, and uh, I think it's Little Wolf is your uh, is your last name. Is that hyphenated? No shit. Something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Dude, I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, so we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're all learning keep, French keep at the same time. I don't time. think you found the right spot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, Franz, thanks for hopping on with us for now. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Thanks, Franz. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Ooh. thanks a lot, man. We'll thanks talk so soon. Much. Thank you. Factory Underground, the co-producer and mix engineer of both Moon Cabin and Shenanigans Nightclub. He's had a chance to capture a whole lot of uh, audio from these guys. So uh, really excited to talk to you, Kenny. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So since Moon Cabin, you have been an integral part of shaping Goose's studio sound. It seems like you and Rick are almost always speaking the same language as you dial in sound on each track. Tell us a little bit about how you guys started to work together and uh, where it's where it's gone since then. Yeah, so originally Rick came down to the studio um, with a with a side project. It was I think it was pre Goose, mm-hmm. um, and actually even before that, they were doing like the the what led to Goose Miss was a, a Vasudo Vasudo concerts very, down here yeah. for. Christmas show, you very, know what I mean. A very Vasudo Christmas. Coach setting <laughs> yeah. that stuff up back in the day. Yeah, yeah all, a lot um, of had to do with Coach back then. So yeah. yeah, so he came down and then he started taking vocal lessons with my business partner Ethan. Okay. And um, yeah, as as he started forming Goose, I think he called Ethan was talking about you know, can I borrow some gear potentially to go up to his cabin in Maine and and record and my business partner was like yeah you might want to take an engineer with you too Uh, um so so 
he recommended me and then you know rick and i probably who only spoke like i don't know a handful of times you know um yep called me up and we we had a conversation and it was it was pretty chill and you know we ended up conversing a lot on the way up to that that cabin in maine mm-hmm. um it's a long, know, we, long we did drive, a lot of listening right? to music really long stuff drive. that he liked yeah stuff that he liked and stuff that i liked and stuff that was influencing i mean we listened to peter gabriel we listened to john mayer we listened to john schofield we listened to um even sia we were listening oh, yeah. to oh sia um, slaps yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah Big CFNs yeah, here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were just kind of talking. I was kind of trying to prep like, okay, we can have this fat snare. We can have this kind of snare. You know what I mean? Um, you know, trying to get a language started with with him, you know, as what, what he liked and what he was, you know, vibing off of and, mm-hmm. and digging. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that- that's where the language really started, you know? Yeah. And I think I, – think that was like probably most I, I i'd like to think i don't know maybe my most integral i think part of the band was talking about communicating not only with me but with one one another in the band you know sure. listen to each other you know how to uh play off of one another how to you know play space yep thing that nature yeah i mean i think it's um, still something that they're you know that they they continue to work on, you know, but I like one thing about moon cabin is, is that I think you guys really, really played with space, whether it was actually, you know, the solos on lead the way or literally playing with Mm -hmm. space by dragging microphones out into the middle of a frozen lake. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's reverb to be found anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. That's like still, that's, that's that little part of that song still gives me so much joy. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So it's like, it's such a funny little part of the song and it, it just, I don't know why it just like makes me smile every time when I listen to it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. It's one of the cool, one of the cooler stories that come out of that whole moon Kevin thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned you guys, you and Rick had those like extensive conversations about what you want to see. Do you feel like it's important to have that with every artist you work with or sometimes do artists just come in, they know what they want, they tell you what they want and then you just lay it down? Yeah, I, I'd say it is a little bit different with, from artist to artist, you know. Um, you know, you can kind of get a sense as you're talking, like how much the person, you know, may want your influence or not want your influence or, uh, you know, how much of an idea they have of their specific sound mm. or, you know. Um, so it, it definitely is a case-by-case case basis, you know. Um, I would say, like, of the bands that I, uh, bands and artists that I work with, the, you know, Rick and I are up there, you know, as far as having lengthy conversations when we start talking, okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. When you get Rick going on a topic that he loves, man, he, he, he will definitely talk. Um, but so we, yeah, no you, and you mentioned artists. I mean, we love all of the guys in the band. Big disclaimer here. We love all of the guys in the band, but we also know that they're artists and we know that artists can on occasion be difficult to work with. Um, but so what, in your opinion, was the easiest thing about working with the guys in the band and, and maybe what was one of the mo- more challenging things, if anything? Yeah, I would say, well, it all, it all depends. You know, uh, Trevor is always super easy it seems like yeah, <laughs> you sure, know sure. what i mean yeah. Sir, ben, I know, chill, dude. Yeah. ben yeah. I know 
Ben is easy in a lot of ways, and he's just like the quintessential drummer. I hate to say, it. sorry, Ben. Uh, you are sorry, Ben. No, he deserves it. No, it's fine. His, his, uh, his, <laughs> you know, his sisters in the mix. He's progressed so much, right by the way, which is just so awesome. You know. Yep. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah both definitely. both both of the guys I mentioned have progressed so much. You know, as Players and just musicians. That that's just great. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, Pete has a a very definitive path. I feel like and uh like trajectory as far as when i'm working with pete i know i feel like i can talk with him and really know where the end goal is going to be in a very short time mm -hmm. um which is great and then rick has kind of got this little like curvy you know he's kind of taking detours along the way which is <laughs> great as well because he's experimenting and he's finding stuff um about himself and about the sound and about sound in general right you know yeah so um yeah man and and you know artists all artists they have their you know myself included have their their little we call them pickabillies you know what i mean we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yeah, sensitive yeah, at times of, quirks. you know <laughs> I, I i i i don't know if i could say this but i always say like you know and i apologize you know sometimes i'm like rick you know you're sometimes you're a bitchy little artist and i get that because i'm a <laughs> oh, bitchy little sure. artist too you, you can know? absolutely so, say that on the great know? beyond by the way yeah, yeah, yeah we agree totally we agree yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we pretty much made this yeah, podcast you know? to let rick know that that's how <laughs> i feel <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, Sorry, Rick. Man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't Everyone listen to the podcast. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. And again, the big disclaimer that was why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I, you know, we're on the precipice of, of, of something people have been waiting for for a long time. Shenanigans Nightclub has been. You know, yeah, tell been, me about it. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's been it's been promised for years and years and years, and I think. You know, beyond the initial recording sessions and then obviously losing a big chunk of the hard work that was put into it when, when the hard drive was lost, like, there had to be another focus on this. And I think the interesting thing about it is that so many of the tracks are ones that, like, us as fans, custies, if you will. God, um, I'll accept it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've seen millions of So Ready's at O'Neill's and, you know, like, at... Briac, and we've been waiting to hear this actually on wax. So I'm wondering, I guess, how you think them losing some of the tracks and having to come back in and work on them again impacted the sound. And also, do you think that this is an accurate look at where Goose is now or kind of a summation of the last few years? Hmm. Well, well, first off, with like shenanigans, there was you got to remember there was other members in the band even like, oh, while I this do. thing was being recorded. Like <laughs> Doc sure. was a keyboard player, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. First I, oh, yeah. I went, to I went to record the basic tracks twice um, at their place in Massachusetts, yeah. um, which ended up both times getting thrown away. Um, oh, God. Really? Ironically, yeah, ironically enough, more so almost just because of vibe, you know? Okay. I feel like mm -hmm. the band wasn't on the same wavelength at that point at that moment you know totally, what i mean totally and i think that's something that maybe the it was a blessing everything getting lost at one point sure. you know, i don't and not everything got lost there was a fair chunk of stuff that got lost i know but not everything got lost right. you know right um so like i think there might have been a little bit of a blessing because you know jeff really stepped in on this record towards the end and really has had a had a I, in my opinion had a big impact on the sound of the record you know what i mean yeah. definitely um but you had you had doc you had uh 
Chris Yunker was playing Yunker keys was for a little bit it. too, yeah. right? Sure. Yep. Um, before Pete was in the band, yeah. and um, the uh, percussionist Aaron, Aaron was right? Aaron was All on right? it too. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. So it's like kind of maybe it was just meant to be. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Um, as far as it's very interesting because I've heard so much goofs, right? Yeah, but what <laughs> I'm telling me to, as a goose <laughs> listener, right, is not necessarily what most of the fans are exposed to, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I've seen them live. I've been to live shows. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in the very early inception of them live. But um, there's a lot of people that have been to a lot of live shows. So, as much as uh, there is that live thing that carries into the record, um, I know them as more of a studio band because I primarily I'm listening to those tracks thousands of times you know what i mean sure, um sure, so. to get to get everything to the spot but i think there's a different approach for them in the studio as opposed to live at least right now will that always be that way uh i don't think so you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think they're going to constantly evolve and change they're going to have records that are supposed to be more like them live and there'll probably be times where they're trying to do something that's a little bit more like uh you know um, special to the studio because you have the, the extra production capabilities in the studio. You know, Kenny, I think that's one of the things about the jam world is uh, it's almost the culture to say we're yep. going to go see a million live shows and almost like disregard whatever band it is, like what they're doing in the studio, you know? And yeah. one thing that's unique about Goose and specifically about Rick is like that passion for crafting the right sonic experience. And so... Basically, this is my passionate plea to our listeners to check out the studio stuff too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Like we, you know, we got this, this record, we got all the way done mixed. Everyone signed off on the mix and they were doing kind of a side project in Woodstock to uh, tape. Yep. And I got a call, like everyone signs off on the project and I get a call and it's like, Hey, do you want to run this to tape? And I was like, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't so. know how to respond at first. I was like, uh, is everyone in the band cool with that? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and then I just call him back and I was like, Hey brother, let's do it. You yeah. know, let's right. try it. We'll run the, we'll run, you know, the acapella stem and, and the instrumental stem through. And, uh, that stuff we didn't end up even using. So we went up to this studio in Woodstock and ran it through tape and then sent it off to the master engineer. And I was like, I don't know, Rick, I don't know if this is kind of like the Sonic experience, sure. you know, I don't, sure. uh, that we're all looking for maybe. Right. Um, and that was, that was a little bit of a tough conversation. You could even ask Rick. I, I really, I really didn't want to call Rick and, and be like, dude, I don't know if this is right. I know you might like it, but I don't think this is exactly where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I was like, let's like, we got this mastering engineer. Let's send it to him, both, both versions and see what he says. And, you know, he went with the original. So, um, which, you know, was all in the box, you know? Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely one of those things. It's been a journey, but I think, you know, it's been a lot to birth this thing. And I think, you know, was, I'm happy that it's, it's done. I'm sure Rick is feeling relieved that it's done too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm no, sure no Pete, no Pete and everyone else and Trevor and, no and everyone too was relieved as well. So, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we talked to Peter a little bit earlier too, and he was mentioning how a lot of the pieces were recorded in separate spaces 
Um, the band yep. wasn't always together. From an engineering perspective, how difficult is that for you for putting all the pieces together? Would you rather have a band playing live in a studio together? Or do you like focusing one by one on each member of the band? Uh, it's a little case by case. This, I'll say this, this was the hardest record, maybe other than or equivalent to my little opera thing that I've been developing for however oh. now. No, um, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal, just a little opera. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like this. Yeah, It's just a whole concept thing that I've been working on to keep myself sane, which oh, probably cool. drives me crazy, too. Yeah, but, I was going to uh, say. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but this has been the hardest project that I've, I've had to work on. I mean, the songs are very long. You know, you know Labyrinth oh, yeah. is, I think, around 12 minutes, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of different pieces, and there's all of a sudden you're making a left turn, um some of the tracks would be like sos part one sos part two sos part three mm -hmm. sos part four point two so it's like it was all in these like different different sessions it was it was it was definitely a trick to uh to get this one to have um a vibe on it but that's all that stuff lives in the project and that's one of the beauties behind it you know what i mean there's a i was trying to tell rick too i, I even if you stay on the box there's there's a ghost in the machine and there's a soul um for the process that will have its own unique process you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's so. interesting and all of the pieces that go into these things whether they're used or not or lost or not it all adds up to the final product eventually when yeah that's exactly that's yeah so yep. Kenny, so exactly, yeah, what I'm saying is, I don't fucking know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can say that. Well, um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but so, so Kenny, yeah. to um, get a little off off the band because this really isn't a goose podcast, and uh, you know wow. we've definitely talked enough about them. But um, you know we've loved the Factory Underground space for years. I definitely know oh I have. I did not God. know that that place was tucked away in uh, the heart of Norwalk down there until um, Goose really started playing there and having Goosemases there. So you've been there for quite some time, your co-owner. Uh, you know, I was wondering, how did you get involved in working there in the first place? And then um, what's your favorite aspect of working at that studio? Um, okay, so I met Ethan. I wasn't supposed to be co-owner. Co-owner. I, I just had to change my situation, um, you know, moving out after college and then moving out of, you know, family's house or whatever, you know. I had, mm -hmm. to, I had to kind of change up, and I was looking for studio space, and this was – a spot and there was a little room and you know 10 by 14 room that i was ready to rent um i was going to do the build out i had all the I, I got all the wood here and then the day that me and my uncle were going to start doing the build out it flooded the little room Jeez. so oh. so you know it was like kind of this thing where my uncle was like well is there any other spaces like available in this, in this you know building and, you know, Ethan, my business partner, walked me around the building and, and you know, there was this like curtain hanging, basically, um, which was actually an old rug or whatever. And he was like, well, you know, this is back here. This is where I want to build um, a professional studio. But, you know, because um, mine was going to be more of a project studio, I was going to kind of work out of there, develop beats. And, you know, um, he wanted, you know, something a little higher up. While, while my project studio I plan on making really nice, I, I wasn't expecting this full, huge, uh, you know, blueprint down here. Right. So he walked me back there and 
he was like, you know, we could work together, but then we'd have to be business partners. And my uncle was like, I'm going to get a bacon egg, and cheese. You guys figure this out. When I get back, <laughs> and you know where I'm building. <laughs> you know, so so me and Ethan had a quick conversation, and it was like, you know, uh, you want to do this? And he was like, yeah. And we barely, again, same thing, barely knew each other, which I think can actually really work to your favor because there's no like long-term friendship i don't yeah, really have to be that sure. polite you know what i mean yeah, i can be honest sense, but i also yeah. still have to be polite enough that like you know this guy can't think i'm crazy you know right, what i mean right it's still like a real professional so, relationship yeah 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 so we ended up bacon egg and cheese came back and we ended up just tearing some stuff down and starting to go for it um <laughs> yeah and then like as far as uh my favorite thing is like you know i think some artists have this, some don't, you know, my own social anxieties and, you know, awkwardnesses and shyness, they can disappear down here. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, king down here. Right, so yeah. when people come down here, I, I feel like that my soul is in these walls. I feel like all, all the people that work down here and have been down here and the artists and um, they're very attached to the place and they can feel comfortable down here. So uh, for me, it's like feeling like, you know, uh, I'm living, I guess, art at that. If that yeah. sounds sure. no, it not does, too, too abstract and weirdo-ish, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like I can be just my most natural self, I think. Yeah. So, and I, I I feel that too because even as fans, when we would go down there and we'd go down there for the Goosemas parties, I mean, it just had such a vibe. In that's that exactly place. It. such a cool vibe, yeah. you know. Like that's that's what I was gonna say is that like for some of the the longest tenured Goose fans, you know, our annual celebration was in that basement in Factory Underground with a whole bunch of. Uh, Beer, wine, pizza, salad. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of pizza. Lot of pizza. Tons a of pizza. pizza. I'm sure, yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty sure John ordered like 70 for the first yeah. <laughs> for like Yeah, that people. was the craziest. I remember that. Like being like, yo, the pizzas are still coming down here. What is oh, going we, on? We had people walking yeah. out at the end of the night with like multiple pizzas. Yeah, I'm like, sure. If you yeah. look hard enough, you can find some crust tucked away somewhere in the <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah. Is, um, pizza's, sure. is pizza's code for something or am I missing? Uh, no, it's actually pizza. Yeah. Okay. It's not a QAnon podcast. Um, so we, we are so I but I do I do want to talk kind of about Goosemas because I think this is something that has been so integral in the growth of the band and also keeping us rooted in like the ethos of how this all came to be. And it all started at Factory. Um, in my mind, most of them are a blur, you know, that are all mixed together. But Kenny, do you have any memorable Goosemas moments? Well, I'll tell you, like, I guess I'll I'll give you the progression. Goosemas used to be, like, one of my most stressful nights of the year. I can only imagine. (laughs) imagine. That is not a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was was stressful because you got to understand, like, we didn't even have a CFO at that point for doing these events. You know, there was... A fair amount of alcohol, right? You know, fair. at this point, everyone was still kind of young-ish 20s. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like kind of being a little, you know, brash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a little brash. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're hey, far I'll, too I'll, kind. I'll just be, I'm going to be polite. You know yeah. What I mean? you're far <laughs> too we appreciate yeah. that, but Kenny. Yeah, you used to stress me the fuck out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah, it, was super, sure. it was super stressful in the beginning. But what was funny, you know, and I kind of would let 
Rick know that too, you know, mm-hmm. or John. I would I'd let them know, like, yo, this is like, you know, this stresses me out. I, and it was no, it's no dig against the band. But what's funny is after four of them or five of them, kind of including Vasudo, or you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Was that by the end of it, like people had grown, you know, and the band sure. was more serious. It wasn't kind of like this friends party anymore. It was actually like people were into the band and the music they were they were taking a little bit more note to what was going on artistically you know what i mean they're obviously more respectful you know what i mean slightly um, slightly like, yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm still like, an asshole like, i don't know years, exactly. someone stole my business partner's like his dope fur coat that he had yeah that was just like on one of our manums, mannequins randomly and i was like man that fucking that sucks you know what i mean Versus but by the end of it i was like i was coat. like man i don't <laughs> this doesn't have to go anywhere now, you know, it's cool. But at that point they got too big for the space. You know what I mean? So, right, which yeah. is, is cool to like, I guess that's my, my fondest memory is the fact that it went from this kind of like group of, you know, high school friends, you know what I mean? To like, Oh, this is a real thing, you know? So I guess yeah. that would oh, yeah. be like my fond my fondest of it you know what i mean yeah very cool yeah we all we all moved from from pizza heavy diets to more salad as we got older. i actually, yeah. I actually ate over yeah, no, half yeah. a pizza by myself yeah. last night so i don't know who moved on from those yeah, habits but like yeah. once i hit 30 i just started cutting yeah. my carbs and, and it wasn't it just it wasn't just pizza too it was like a oh, lot of subway sandwiches it was so not mine, just mine pizza. that too yeah, yeah, yeah i know we, yeah. Had enough, we had many chickens worth of chicken yeah. tenders in there too the italian herbs and cheese i can smell it now Um, Well, Kenny Cash, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, You know, I think when this is eventually inscribed in history, um, you are someone who has crafted a sound and allowed Rick to be able to convey, I think, a lot of what he conceived could be possible in the studio. Um, And so thank you so much for allowing, you know, yourself to be able to amplify that sound. Um, we're so thankful for it. I think I want to ask one more thing. Sure. What, what's your favorite track on Shenanigans Nightclub? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> Dark Put Horse on is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think lyrically, I just love it. I think it's just a beautiful lyric. You know what I mean? I just feel like I, I feel like there's a very unique way of writing in that. Sure. You know? Um, I'd say, like, as far as what I thought would be the single would be so ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, um, sounds like but yeah, Dark Horse is definitely my favorite because of the song itself. I mean, I just think it's... it's yeah. it, anytime something gives me a visual, when I hear it, I usually love it. And I'm, I'm like, sitting in the campfire, you know what I mean, when I'm, when I'm listening yeah, to that. Dude, so. I couldn't agree more, Kenny. I, I feel the same way about the spirit of Dark Horse. It's great. Hearing yeah. it live at Frederick like completely changed my perspective of uh, perspective of it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In addition yeah. to hearing the studio version, so I mean, yeah, I agree. I'm partial to SOS, but that's just because I generally need help. Um, <laughs> so, um, Kenny, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, thank um, you. We we can't... yeah, thank thank you guys for all you do as well. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh no, well thank you. This is, yeah, but I appreciate <laughs> that. This isn't even a goose podcast, you know. We <laughs> we just have to fill our Sundays. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to seeing you out there on the road. Um, and you know, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, man, thanks right. a lot. It was great. Having right, you guys on. have a good one. Yeah. You too, right, Kenny. Thanks, Kenny.
Once again, thanks to France and Kenny for taking the time to speak with us. Certainly got some great insight into the making of the album there. But it's time to hear from the analysts themselves for their, for their expert opinions on the album. So, guys, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard this album that late Friday night, early or late Thursday night, rather early Friday morning? Yeah, let's not confuse fans out there. Yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, we don't I, use a 24-hour clock in the U.S. I know it's tough. I know midnight is uh, has a different meaning to some fans as others. Yeah, yeah, I guess it does depend where you are. Well, let's not let's not pretend like um, that we, we can tell time. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly cannot. Um, I think you know, for for me, the, I guess my initial reaction to hearing everything was kind of a wave of relief. Um, it's been a long time coming. I think we can honestly say that, right? Yeah, it's been a, a really long time and like, a lot's happened with the band in order for this to happen and, and really come to fruition the way that it has. Um, and frankly, working on an album is a lot of work. So it was just a wave of relief hearing the first notes and knowing I didn't have to write another adjective about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was preoccupied, uh, with other music the other weekend and I wanted to wait for an opportunity to really listen to the album and i mean my first impressions were just that i'm it came out cohesively it really sounded like a whole album which is rare these days where people don't really focus on albums um so that's kind of a throwback um you know and and i liked it i mean just just right off the bat it just sounded a much much more mature band and the album was really good a lot of good songs it's like they grew into their mustaches Oh, yeah. 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 So something I guess you guys have known the band, you know, for their entire existence. So in this album, did you hear the uh, goose since Moon Cabin, the growth that's come to now? Or did you perhaps hear a future goose that you're excited to hear live in like two, perhaps? I think it's a mix of both. Okay. I think I think this record is a really good summary of what the past five years have been, like how they've been propelled to where they are right now, depending on what tier you think they are, listener. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think it's a really good summary of, of this sound that they've carved out that is their own, that, that's gotten them this recognition. Um, but also, like, there's whispers of what's to come next. And I only say that because I wrote it in their bio. That was <laughs> <laughs> a great bio. It's worth repeating. Yeah. Um, no, but I, yeah, I, this the same kind of idea that, they really do sound a lot more like they do live now in their recordings than let's say moon cabin, which was, it just feels like eons ago, even though it was only what six years. So, uh, that was impressive to be able to hear that they've taken that live sound that they've now formed really well since they got Peter in the band. Um, and with Jeff on the album, it's, it's fuller, it's richer. Like I said before, it's a little bit more mature. Like Greg said, it's kind of an accumulation of all the years up to this point. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good, a good median point for them to follow up with, you know, more music in the future too. So Joey, since, uh, your only role here is not just to do all of the work. <laughs> That's his main role. <laughs> What's, uh, what was your initial impression of the album? Um, you know, what are your thoughts as, as, you know, a, an analyst intern? Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that role. Um, it's unpaid, so yeah. <laughs> college credit, I hope. Yeah. Continuing uh, education, Joey, don't worry. <laughs> no, I mean, my initial reaction was just each moment. Like, I felt like I was so focused in a way that upon re-listening, I haven't really been able to get back to that moment where I'm, like, fully focused on every single thing that's happening. And, like, I mean, my initial reaction to Dawn, like, during Rick Solo there, like, I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is the song I want to hear, you know, 
the last thing I want to hear before I die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like yep. just like a, a real connection to the music and like going back, I'm hearing these little moments that I didn't hear at first, but like that first feeling of, wow, like I'm so excited for what the future holds for this band. Um, I think that was the probably my initial reaction. It's almost a good thing. I've actually listened to the album a few times without really necessarily trying to really re-listen to it and just letting it play through. And, and it's kind of nice to be able to forget that you're kind of listening to it, you're listening to it all the way through, and you just hone in on certain parts, and you go about your business during others, and it's a really listenable album. It doesn't need, it doesn't necessarily need to, like, take precedence when you're listening to it. You know, I, I said to um, John Caruso, editor-in-chief, that it's really a good Sunday listening album, you know, and, and that's not necessarily a knock on it. It's like there's always been certain things like um, CSNY Deja Vu that I would mm-hmm. listen to, you know, on those on those Sunday mornings when you're just chilling and, and trying to get some chores done. And it's like a really nice vibe to put on. And I think this album does it. And it's interesting enough that you can continue to listen to it. I think one thing, too, about studio releases in, in the jam world, um, if you will, uh, is like nobody can see your air quotes <laughs> oh, that I you will. just put out. We, we yeah, will. Yeah. <laughs> will you? Um, so I think the thing about studio releases, especially now with a lot of bands, is you do get a lot of songs that have been road tested that you've heard live over the years. And, you know, like we know everyone in the jam world has an opinion. And so I think the common gripe at times is like, there's not enough new material. Um, but I also think in the jam world, studio albums aren't always necessarily respected. People just want to hear live cuts to really hear what a band can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one big thing I've always said about Goose is they, they, their serious approach to recording and crafting like a strong product that sounds incredible that you can just sit down and listen to is some of the best I've ever heard. Well, and, and Peter, Peter mentioned that too. Right. You know, yeah. right. he mentioned that in our interview that, that, they took a they took a serious approach. Peter really cares about the studio. Rick really cares about the studio. Obviously, him and Kenny had all those conversations about ideas and direction. And and then Peter claimed that you know Rick did have a good clear direction in a lot of cases that helped them push this album along when they were doing it in, in pieces. Um, so it's really it does come from an appreciation of the studio. You can hear that and how cohesive the album is. Let's talk about let's talk about SOS. I want to talk about SOS because the album is called Shenanigans Nightclub and SOS is, you know... The namesake. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the ethos of the whole thing. Same old shenanigans for people who don't know the acronym. So, <laughs> Same Old Shenanigans is one of my favorite Goose songs. I was really, really lucky to catch one of two live performances of this the track in Boulder, Colorado in 2019. 131, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Lazy Dog. And... I knew it could be something special. Bruce, I think you caught the second one at Covington that February. Oh, no. Funny that you mentioned that. No, I have not caught either live version, but I'm going to catch a live version in New Haven this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So it's okay. So, I mean, I've been waiting for so long for this track to be on wax, and it is all that I dreamed of. Um, But I do think, you know, it was always one kind of long, extended, whatever, 12 to 14-minute thing that included what is now understood as Dawn. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so I do. I definitely think, like, obviously listening to the album through, you hear Dawn and you know it's a logical next step to SOS, but also Dawn is kind of a, like a, a jam that slaps on its own. Um, so I do think it was pretty smart to cut these tracks in half. Yeah, and I mean, since we're on this 
kind of track of asking Joey questions for the first time and maybe only time um, as <laughs> we do this podcast. Since episode two, remember we yeah. asked him that question? I, I, oh, we did? Oh, I forgot all about it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to ask Joey another question. But, you know, what are your thoughts, Joey, essentially on keeping those jams as a separate songs? So I love it because it really gives the people who maybe aren't as into jam bands digestible songs, people who like to sing along, they like lyrics, like that's the whole point of listening to music. They get to listen to those songs. And then for us who love the second halves of those songs, love the jams, we also get to listen to that. The only possible frustration I see coming from it is when I put these songs in a playlist and put the playlist on shuffle and I only get half the song. Like I, I'm reaching out to the Spotify executives, please, if you could somehow let us pair up songs. Like, if one's going to play, then the other's going to play. Like, that would ideally, you know... I hear the Spotify executives problem. actually right now, the echo of them saying they don't care. <laughs> they, <laughs> they actually aren't going to do any of that. Um, that's on you. <laughs> do you know how many listens we get to your streaming platform? Yeah, yeah we are the number 41 music commentary podcast on Apple Music. Goose has made at least 12 cents as a band on just the replays of Thunder from Spirit of the Dark Wars. So come on, Spotify. Yeah. You know? We're, yeah. Show us some slack. We got leverage. Everybody's got to eat out here. Um, yeah. Yeah, but no, I do think it is. It is. It could be a crazy kind of. My brain would explode if I heard, a, you know, a seven hundred after it in parentheses dawn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would have certain reactions as well. I'm not sure what those would be, but I think it'd also be cool. You know, it does give them the flexibility now too to do something like Joey and I were talking before we started recording about that that idea of the curtain or the curtain with. Now they can do something where. They have the beginning of a song and they can crunch things in between that and then play the ending jam, the ending composed section, or they could start off with the composed section, never play the single part of the song, if you will, you know, so it gives them more flexibility. It gives fans something to chew on, you know, all, and all in all, it gives them that that uh, artistic leverage in the album itself too, to be able to really highlight these composed sections that are actually like pretty impressive. So my question for you guys, do you think that they'll be playing these separate jam sections live as those separate entities. Like, will we see, you know, this weekend in New Haven, an echo of a rose into a dawn? Or are they going to be playing, you know, these, these tracks as the full thing? I'll tell you what I want. You just mentioned echo of a rose, but, like, this is going to be separate. Mm -hmm. I want that little echo, echo, mm -hmm. echo. I want... That. The ending, the alternate like, ending. Yes, yeah. yes, the Vasudo yeah. ending to yeah. Echo of a Rose. Yeah, sorry, want, that's my answer. Go ahead. I want a kiss from a rose, but I, and that's where I thought <laughs> we were going oh, with man. this. But um, but you really, come see the Sea Lion after show. <laughs> I honestly, if I'm going to give my honest opinion, I think that they're with the way they are really somewhat perfectionists and and ultimate professionals when it comes to their live shows and why it sometimes feels like it might be taking the band a little bit of a long time to go try to what people would perceive as take risk is because they really put out an excellent live show every time. And it takes a lot of um, professionalism. Like I mentioned, it takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of patience with their playing of these songs, a lot of practice and just feeling comfortable being able to go out there and really give fans what they want and get put on a good performance, whether or not they're extending it or taking risks or just playing it straight up. So I do think what we'll probably see at first is at least some of these new songs come out 
and get crushed, you know, by the band in their entirety. And then, you know, sure enough, like they've done in the past, then they'll start opening up and letting it breathe and trying to sandwich things in between the jams and doing some cool stuff. And I think that's to be expected. Yeah. And something that makes that possible, I think, is the fact that they played Moby. Mm-hmm. Right. during leg one so these uh, this idea of yeah. bringing jams out in different places i mean i'm excited maybe they'll play more ted tapes on leg two yeah i mean yeah. even that movie surprised me so yeah. I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff on the way i don't think they're gonna play any more ted tapes until people get their ted tapes vinyls <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be riots at the show right. i'll see you at 2022 <laughs> what's that dragonfly one i'm gonna get them <laughs> whoa look at that uh it's me again. <laughs> As uh, if we didn't get enough er- we need interruptions. We turn Greg's phone off during these recording sessions. I, I, I silence everything, but I think I have my iPad with me. Anyway, um, <laughs> no big deal. So we're going we're gonna to see all of you this weekend. Uh, we can't wait to get back to it. Leg 2 is going to be absolutely incredible. I'm happy we're starting in Shwayze. Um And all three of us will be there all three shows this weekend. So definitely come around and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. Joey's got stickers. Uh, yeah, we got 500 <laughs> new s- first edition slaps for you. That's right. Yeah, the Great Beyond. Uh, and they're free, unlike those uh, you know, pins that some other <laughs> fan <laughs> rag was selling. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm really yeah. going hard at them. That's right. That's right. No big deal. Just because no the Great deal. Beyond has no money. Okay. <laughs> the war starts now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see you guys on lot and also you guys. <laughs> the great beyond was engineered by robbie chemical that carries electric <laughs> in brooklyn new york on behalf of my co-host i'd like to thank france and kenny the little wolf for taking the time to speak with us today our manager kathleen rothschild even though she's not here and most of all you the listeners for tuning in be sure to catch a ride with us next time down the pathway to the great beyond. The great beyond.